Hello, you are listening to the Treadweary Podcast, the audio arm of Treadweary.com, where we gather around the Word of God to hear what it is that God has done for us, so that we might receive from Him the gifts of His grace and mercy. Join Pastor Smee as we take a look at the text coming up for us with this following Sunday to hear what it is that God has to tell us and to open our hearts and our minds as we prepare to worship together. Greetings, church. Gracious and warm welcome to you. This is our Gospel Day, Friday being our Gospel Day, in which we are going to take a look at the Gospel as we've been looking at the text coming up for the following Sunday. And today it is Mark 9, verses 2 through 9, as we take a look at the Transfiguration story. But as we always do, let us begin by looking at our psalm for this coming Sunday, which is those few verses out of Psalm 50. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. Our God comes and does not keep silence. Before him is a devouring fire and a mighty tempest all around him. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather to me, my faithful ones, who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. This call to gather faithful ones. That's what we do on Sundays, right? We come together or here as you are joining in these videos each week. You are gathered by the Spirit together as the faithful ones of God. And we give thanks to God for that because we want to hear his word. We want to dwell in it and and we want to have a chance to to try and understand it a little bit better as we head into our worship services because we don't get the chance to have as much time with the word as we should, I'm guessing. Our gospel reading comes from Mark chapter 9. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. And Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them any more but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. I always struggle with Transfiguration Sunday, I do. It's not as hard as, as Christmas or Easter, but it's it's pretty tough. It's pretty tough because it's the story that we always have every year. And most people know it. I'm guessing I talk about the Transfiguration, and, and you may not know that word, but you know the story, that Jesus goes up a mountain with three of his best dudes, his, his beetles, his entourage, and his clothes get changed white, his face shines with the glory of God, and there are Elijah and Moses with name tags, I'm guessing, because 
they, they know that it's Elijah and Moses. And um, Peter opens his mouth and shoves his foot in it. God has to speak. And then they come down the mountain and he says, don't tell anybody until I've risen from the dead because they're not going to understand any of this anyways. So we, so we know the story. And I struggle with it because as a pastor, you always think, well, I need to take what I can from the story and make it new for you. Find something new. I can't just stick with what's here. That's boring, right? And yet, do you realize that this is the, the story of the Jesus that we love? The Jesus in the golden diapers at Christmas. The Jesus in the manger. And it's showing him for who he is. Who he truly is. As though he is uh, the wizard in the Wizard of Oz. That we only see him for kind of a picture of who he should be. Rather than being the one who he truly is. Because we would not be able to handle it if we saw him in his glory. Anytime anyone ever saw God, even his backside, things went south. Things did not go well. And here, Peter and James and John see him in his glory, that he's not just some nice dude from Nazareth. He's not some carpenter's son that said some nice things. He's not just a good teacher. There's something here, a glory that we cannot understand. And yet it's there. It's there that he's made white such as no one on earth could bleach them, whiter than snow. And then I, I love how Elijah and Moses show up. Why Elijah and Moses? Well, within the Hebrew culture, the, the, the Jewish history, Elijah and Moses were the two great prophets. Moses being the greatest and Elijah being basically second. You know, Elijah has no writings of his own in the scriptures. There, there's stories about him in First and Second Kings, but he, he didn't write a book like Isaiah or Ezekiel or Hosea or any of the others, right? And yet he's considered second. He, he's considered part of the prophecy of the Messiah because it says at the end of Malachi that Elijah will come. And then it's said that John the Baptist was the Elijah that was to come. But he didn't glory in that fact because he wanted everything pointed to Christ. Well, Elijah and Moses show up here in part because Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the, the prophets. There, there's some truth to that. But even more so, it was a gift from God to Moses and Elijah. That Moses, who slaved for so long with with grumbling people, people that are like us in every respect that complain and don't and don't give thanks to God for the tiniest bit of a thing each day. The, the Moses who was so angry that he did not follow God's command where God said, go and speak to that rock and water's going to come out of it. But instead, he went up and he hit the thing as hard as he can twice with a stick because he did that before and water came out of it. Because God said, you speak to it so that people will understand that I'm the one giving them water, not you. And Moses, in his anger, allowed himself to sin. And so he wasn't able to see the promised land. Elijah, 
spends his time prophesying against Baal and against Ahab, King Ahab, and his queen Jezebel. And he fights to try and make sure that Yahweh God, the Lord, gets first billing, that Baal gets destroyed, and that God becomes the center of all things, to the point that they go up to Mount Carmel and they do the whole song and dance with the fire from heaven and all those things. We already talked about that a little bit this week. And Elijah's done. He's exhausted. He's getting death threats. He's ready to leave. He, he, he wants God to kill him. And God gives him a last assignment and says it will be time for you to go. And he gets taken up by that whirlwind. And Elisha gets left with his job. And Elijah never sees the fruits of his labor. Elijah never sees the culmination of the Israelites returning to the Lord, especially the Israelites, the northern kingdom. In fact, it goes downhill from there, and the northern kingdom gets taken into captivity by the Assyrians, and and those ten tribes in the north uh, really never are heard from again. They're called the Lost Tribes of Israel. And here I think this is a gift from God to Elijah and Moses because what they get to do is they go up on top of that mountain. They get resurrected there for just a brief moment to be able to see the face of the Savior. To see the face that is the culmination of all of God's glory throughout time, made flesh for the work of bringing about that which both of them slaved for so many years. For the promised land the new land, the land in which God is God and God gives to us all good things, the land of the promise where the promise takes hold upon our hearts, but then also where redemption comes for those who have forgotten the promise. And so Moses and Elijah received that from God in this time. And then, of course, you have to have Peter make a fool of himself to say, well, this is a good place. Let's, let's leave you here, Jesus, so we know where to find you. And instead, God speaks and says, No, you idiot. This is my beloved son. You listen to him. He has much to tell you, and you need to understand why he is here. And so it is for us that we take this text that we know so well, and we pray that the the story that we know well might become new to us each day, that our hearts might be illumined by the glory of God upon us, that we might see in him, the the glory of God's redemption, his saving work being carried out for us in Christ. Let us pray. Almighty God, the resplendent light of your truth shines from the mountaintop into our hearts. Transfigure us by your beloved Son and illumine the world with your image through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Well, church, Hope to see you on Sunday. Until then, stay warm. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. We'll see you later.